Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Too Much Information is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Too Much Information, the show that brings you the secret history and little-known fascinating facts about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. We're two guys with too much free time on our hands. My name's Jordan Runtog. And I'm Alex Heigl. And like a lot of people in our age group, Jordan, I think uh, one of the big foundational influences on our lives and sensibilities was the amazing stretch of animation from the late 80s and early 90s. Nicktoons, absolutely. Yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those crown jewels in that era, which is Rugrats. Now, I got to say, I was more of a Doug guy. Ooh, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that. The Beatles and Stones of of 90s animated cartoons. Now, where does Ren and Stimpy fit into this analogy? Ren and Stimpy is Captain Beefheart. (laughs) Everyone knows this. Don't, don't, come on. Doug, Rugrats, and Ren and Stimpy all premiered on the same day, August 11th, 1991. They turned 30 years old last year, which means that Tommy Pickles would now be 165. (laughs) Yeah, um... Yeah, it is truly boggling. I mean, it was a real heyday. And I think South Park and Family Guy kind of came in and detonated a lot of that style of humor and also production. I mean, once you started doing this stuff computer, like the hand-drawn look of this kind of went away. So in a way, a lot of these wound up being, you know, the era that we're talking about is kind of a swan song for the form in general. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you could tell some of the early episodes are really period pieces in a funny way. Yeah. Anyway, not to over-intellectualize Rugrats, <laughs> which we will continue <laughs> yeah, to do over the next half hour. But rest assured, that's not all we'll do. We'll also talk about how the character of Chucky was inspired by a new wave rock legend, how the voice of Tommy Pickles once recorded her voiceovers in between contractions before giving birth, and also how the show's creators got their start on the biggest animation series in history before splitting amid a flurry of lawsuits. Without further ado, here is everything you never knew about Rugrats. So 
So Rugrats actually has its genesis in the granddaddy of animated hits from this era, which is, of course, The Simpsons. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Uh, Rugrats was the brainchild of the Klasky Chupo Animation Studio. You may remember that from at the end of the uh, every episode, they would have some like weird CNC type device say that as mm-hmm. part of the credits. I never knew what it was because nope. it looked like a bunch of jumbles. <laughs> it, yeah, it looked like some kind it looked like something from the ring. I or thought something. it was one person for the longest time. Yeah. Oh yeah. could totally be. But it was the name of a husband and wife team, Arlene Klasky and Gabor Chupo. Chupo. Yes. Uh, a Hungarian gentleman. Uh, they actually have a, a very extensive back history in their animation studio. They did the titles for 21 Jump Street, Eddie Murphy's Raw, Quantum Leap, in Living Color. And they went on to do... The Osbournes. What a That's hell of right. a pedigree. That is a ride. Uh, but the biggest thing they were involved with, as you said, were The Simpsons. In the late 80s, the animation studio was hired by James L. Brooks to work on the Tracy Ullman show, overseeing little sketches in her show that later became The Simpsons. And one of Klasky Chupo's animators, a gentleman by the name of Gregory Pelus? Georgi. Georgi. Pelouse. You, <laughs> yeah. you do all the when I was in high school I took eight years of French my French teacher would make me at the end of class for if there was time read for her amusement because my pronunciation was so bad <laughs> so I mean I, just the general series wide blanket apology for all these names I butcher but anyway he was the man responsible for all the Simpsons characters having yellow skin and for Marge Simpson having blue hair and also the, the character of Dr. Nick you know hi everybody mm-hmm. um, he was apparently based on uh Chupo, at least his uh, facially and the way he looks, if you Google him, you see him side by side. They do look very similar, although the um, the voice actor for the character, Hank Azaria, said he was actually doing a bad imitation of Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> but um, Klasky Chupo left The Simpsons during the third season in, in 1992 due to uh, disagreements with Gracie Films, the production company that oversaw The Simpsons, uh, which is fine because they had their hands full with the Rugrats. Yeah, it's interesting, and we'll get into this a little later, but um, Rugrats, despite being this beloved and, and going on to becoming a really successful property, it actually was not a, a super big hit for its early stage, to the point where not only were the Klasky Chupo team working on it concurrently with The Simpsons, so they were literally bouncing back and forth, but we'll talk about this later, it did not pay enough for some of the voice actors to live on. So, Backtracking a little bit, the inspiration for the show was while uh, Arlene and Gabor were working on The Simpsons, Klasky was pregnant, and she just had this very simple idea of if babies could speak, what would they say? You know, like, why do they walk around and stick their hands into the toilet and, and <laughs> so on and so forth? This idea was explored further in the in the 90s cinematic classic Baby Geniuses, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, an unheralded influence on all that came after it. Uh, so they took it to Nickelodeon, and um, you know Nickelodeon at this point is—they're an upstart. You know they are really, especially with stuff like imagine Ren and Stimpy being produced at the same time as Rugrats, like as scatological and insane, <laughs> truly insane as Ren and Stimpy is, alongside this very family-friendly thing. But that's just an indication of all the stuff that Nickelodeon was throwing at the wall, trying to see if it would stick. So. To that end, Klasky's pitch was that, you know, cartoons have devolved into toy advertisements, which is true because one of the parallel, another interesting parallel in this animation space at the time is you started seeing all of these cartoons based on really violent 1980s properties Mm. that were invented as an excuse to sell toys. Like you have a Rambo, Robocop, 
they they turned aliens into a toy line. Um, there was a Rambo cartoon, yeah, I and a Robocop one. Um, Swamp Thing, which was coming off of like R-rated films, had a cartoon show, which again created to sell toys. The granddaddy of that is, of course, Transformers, which was mm. like reverse engineered to sell toys. So anyway, all of which is to say, they wanted a creator-driven more uh a less commercial approach to children's shows nickelodeon's only note to them was no realistic drawings because uh chupo's co-creator peter chung the two of them deliberately wanted the design of the babies to be strange instead of cute which is such a interesting note and it definitely shows up in the finished product uh you know Compared to something like The Simpsons, where there's a very rigorous style guide in place for how animators have to approach drawing characters, every baby looks different. Their heads are different sizes. It's all wobbly. It's Even all, the lines move. Yeah, it's very, very... Uh, you can see the fingerprints on it. And, yeah, Peter Chung is another big 90s animator. You know, He went on to create Aeon Flux, which is a, mm. a, a huge um, animation property in the 90s as well. And originally, they had wanted a different title for the show. Yeah, they were going to call it One Something after there was a very big show at the time called 30 Something. And it was a play off of that, which is pretty hilarious. But they ended up going with the term Rugrats, which was a Navy term that the, the folks in the Navy used for, for little kids and because they would, you know, crawl around on the rug like rats. And there, I guess there were a couple of people at the network that were, were concerned that people would think the show would be about rats. <laughs> But they ended up going along with it, and Rugrats won the day. So the character inspiration for the the now iconic cast, um, Tommy Pickles is actually the, the ostensibly main character, is one of the more debated points. Um, Paul Germain, who is another co-creator on the show, and Klasky, both, Arlene Klasky, both claim to have created Tommy uh, after their own real-life sons. Um, but... They both do acknowledge that it was named after Paul Germain's son, Tommy, who was a year old when this was was being created. Um, Tommy Pickles' first name was actually Ollie. Uh, and Pickles... Initially, well, that was, I mean, before they went with Tommy, it was supposed to be Ollie. Yeah. That would have changed the whole really vibe does. of the series. Really does. It would have been, like been like Dennis the Menace or something. It feels <laughs> so old school with Ollie. Yeah. Uh, Pickles just came out of nowhere. That's not an Easter egg. That is not a reference for anything. Um, and... Weirdly enough, uh, one of the show's writers, Steve Vixen, said his that Tommy's outgoing, adventurous, exploratory personality was partially modeled after John Wayne. <laughs> well, you hear it's like a baby's got to do what uh, yeah. a baby's got to do. That's it's, true. Uh, yeah. yeah, I wonder if there's an episode where he calls anyone Pilgrim. <laughs> that would be really bizarre. So um, we haven't talked about Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo yet, who obviously does one of the all-time great animation theme songs. One of the all-time great theme songs, period. Really got the gig for no other reason than they were fans of Devo. Yeah. But Chucky Finster is um, partially based on Mother's Bog's appearance. And also Chucky from Child's Play. I can see that. Which is a truly bizarre and unsettling juxtaposition. Now I'm just imagining Chucky from Child's Play doing the Devo version of Whip It. (laughs) Or doing the Devo Devo version of uh, Satisfaction, I guess I should say. (laughs) Anyway, that's a weird image. Rolling right along, Angelica. Angelica is a big hot button issue, which we will cover later. Um, Paul Germain based on based Angelica on a bully from his own childhood. Is apparently exercising some kind of demons here. Um, she is physically based on the daughter of one of the writers, which is kind of weird. Like, why would you do that to someone's child? Anyway, but 
This is an interesting fact. Angelica is the obvious villain of the show. But before she was cast in that role by Jermaine, Chucky was going to be the show's bully, which very weird, impossible yeah. to imagine. And lastly, one of the other big um, iconic characters from the show is Cynthia, which is the beat to shit doll that Angelica <laughs> carries everywhere, which is no surprise for anyone who's had been around kids or whatever, like yeah. you carry around things that are destroyed as little totems for you. And, and if um, you try to clean them, there will be hell to pay. Yes, exactly. And uh, that was created by Craig Bartlett. Also, another Simpsons guy. Um, the brother-in-law of Matt Groening, apparently. And went on to create Hey Arnold. And w- weirdly enough, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. I'm not sure what the impetus for this, this was, but he was asked about Rugrats and he said his favorite character was Cynthia. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I really want to know the context for for why. I guess there was a mandate that all journalists had to ask Steven Tyler about 90s <laughs> animated children's TV shows. It's like the, the rep beforehand, just like, hey, yeah, when we're done, just ask him about Rugrats. Yeah, put in the Rugrats question. Yeah. <laughs> so while we're talking about Steven Tyler, <laughs> let's get into the cast of Rugrats. So we got the characters in place. Now we have the cast. Tommy was voiced by E.G. Daly. You may remember her as Dottie, Pee-wee Herman's girlfriend in 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And briefly, a girlfriend of Brad Pitt. I, re- I did not know that. There's, when some was tru- that. there's some truly astounding like Getty photos of them at like film premieres and stuff. Really adorable couple. Wow. I know she was married to um to Rick Solomon, who is the guy, I think he was with Pam Anderson for a while, but I know he's the guy that leaked. The Paris Hilton. One night in Paris. Yes, the Paris Hilton sex tape. So re- and then real- went on to become a professional poker player. That's he won like millions, right? Oh yeah. So real, real charmer right there. <laughs> but but back to E.G. Daly. Yes. Now she uh, she didn't do. I don't think she did really any vocal work before uh, before being encouraged to audition for Rugrats, and she almost didn't attend because she was having carpet fitted in her apartment that day <laughs> and didn't want to leave the workers unsupervised, but her agent was like, no, you should probably uh, go I'll pay this. for the carpet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my favorite E.G. Daily story is apparently... She uh, she was a hard worker. She was such a hard worker that she recorded her voiceover for Tommy while she was having contractions and about to give birth. True dedication yeah, to her craft. I, I wish I knew which episode it was. Yeah, they like, they don't say that, but she is apparently like one of her master vocal takes for that character has her like taking like it it it's cut up because in between there are contractions. Good and Lord. I guess she like even asked the engineer to like time it too, so yeah. she knew when it was like again a Matt talk about controlling your instrument. <laughs> so E.G. Daly, total boss, classic voice of a classic cartoon character, Chaz Finster, Chucky's dad, and Drew Pickles are voiced by the same guy and Michael Grandpa Bell. Boris. Oh, and Grandpa Boris, you're absolutely right. They're voiced by Michael Bell, who is. Um, actor Steve Gutenberg's godfather and apparently Steve Gutenberg's inspiration for getting into acting. So we, we owe, owe Michael Bell so much. We owe very much to Michael Bell. Chucky was voiced by Christine Cavanaugh, a, 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 a voiceover legend. She tragically died in 2014 on my birthday, December 22nd. Uh, she voiced Chucky as well as Babe the Pig in the first Babe movie, and Dexter in Dexter's Laboratory. That's a true triple crown. Oh, it was incredible. And when she retired from acting in 2002 for the later uh, episodes of Rugrats, I didn't know this, they got Nancy Cartwright, who was famous for voicing Bart Simpson, uh, she took over Chucky. And this brings us to Angelica, one of the great bullies in 
entertainment history, really, yeah. not just cartoon. Icon. Uh, oh, yeah. She was voiced by Cheryl Chase. Cheryl Chase was actually a secretary for uh, Ren and Stimpy creator John Kay uh, when she was discovered. And she was only working on uh, Rugrats four hours a week on Fridays. She called it her waitress job because it didn't pay enough for her to live on. And, uh, and she's apparently, you know, despite her character, really, really, really sweet in real life to the point where she was having a problem playing someone so mean. And one of the writers had to sell it to her as Angelica was the J.R. Ewing of the show. J.R. Ewing was the, um, the, the villain on the, uh, the TV show Dallas in the 80s. And that uh, was lightning round for the rest of these. Yeah, we got Kath Susie, I believe is how you say her name, as Phil and Lil. She was Lola Bunny in Space Jam. Uh, David Doyle was Grandpa Lou. David Doyle was also Bosley on Charlie's Angels, <laughs> which I did not realize. Uh, Tress McNeil was Charlotte Pickles, Angelica's mom. She did Babs Bunny on Tiny Toons. Another one. Principal Skinner's mother Agnes on The Simpsons. Another one. Dot Warner on The Animaniacs. Another one. Arnold's grandmother on Hey Arnold. Ooh. And the voice of mom on Futurama. My God, what a run. And finally, the last one, I really want to get this in here. I had no idea Debbie Reynolds played uh, Lulu Pickles, who was Grandpa Lou's uh, second wife. She joined as a cast member in 2000. I had no idea that yeah, Rugrats... Debbie Reynolds was on Rugrats. Yeah, no <laughs> clue. So before we move on, Heigl, I believe you have a very special mini presentation for us. I'm going to go for this. Uh, you go for it. Other than The Simpsons, there's another bizarre connective thread to uh, Rugrats voice actors, which is there were two two movies in the 1980s during the 1980s slasher rubber monster horror boom called Chud, which is an acronym for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. And then there was a sequel to that film called Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Um, and He's adjusting his glasses, by the way, folks. Yeah. You can't see this right now. <clears throat> Bud the Chud. And so aside from featuring Home Alone actors, uh, uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern and John Goodman in early roles. Um, the Chud films, the Chud cinematic universe, if you will, uh, features three Rugrats actors. So not only Michael Bell, but uh, Sam McMurray and Jack Riley, who voiced Stu Pickles. So in theory, Rugrats and Chud are in the same cinematic universe. Thank you. That was excellent. But those are not the only names that we have, the only prestigious names that we have on the uh, the Rugrats casting roster. Yeah, so we have um, Kim Cattrall came in and did uh, Mel Finster, who is Chucky's voice mother. We're going to get into the the Chucky Mother's Day episode, which, woof. But, um, yeah, so that's Kim Cattrall. Uh, and then we have everybody's favorite Batman. Hot take. The, the only Batman. The only really. Batman Let's we recognize. Real. Adam West voiced... Um, Captain Blasto, which is one of their great little intellectual property rips. We're going to get into Reptar later, but yeah, Captain Blasto um, is a, is an early, just he's like a Captain Planet figure, and you know, they got Adam, they got Batman to come in and do it. And then in a much less subtle rip, they brought in Alex Trebek to host uh, Super Stumpers, a fictitious game show where he plays a character named Alan Quebec. <laughs> He, I mean, he, he was probably in his contract. We need to have one Canada reference in there somewhere. <laughs> I feel like every episode of Jeopardy featured like some one Canada question, and nobody would get it right. And he would look with utter contempt. He yes. would look at them all. True disdain. Doo -doo -doo. The answer is Prince Edward Island. 
Uh, and then speaking of game show stuff, Pat Sajak, real fortune legend, uh, one of only two celebrities to appear in the original Rugrats as himself. The other is football commentator Chick Hearn. Football commentator Chick Hearn. <laughs> Uh, Ta- table for one. Table for one. Chick Hearn. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Too Much Information in just a moment. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Let's get into the where it all... Let's get into Ground Zero for Rugrats. Let's talk about the pilot. Uh, There is an unaired pilot for Rugrats entitled Tommy Pickles and the Great White Thing. And it consisted of Tommy trying to figure out what a toilet was. And it's interesting because this episode only featured Tommy, Phil, and Lil. Uh, Chucky and Angelica weren't created until later. Um, They created Chucky as a foil for Tommy, basically. Tommy's this intrepid explorer. And they made Chucky as, you know, the scaredy cat. And Angelica is obviously the villain because every show needs a villain. As you said earlier, she was co-creator Paul Germain's idea 
which would sow the seeds of dissent in the Rugrats creative team and lead to years of animosity and legal wrangling. Uh, just a little foreshadowing there. But the uh, the show debuted on August 11th, 1991, and this is more or less, more or less the official birthday of Nicktoons. Uh, it premiered in a block alongside the two other inaugural Nicktoons, Doug and Ren and Stimpy. Technically, Rugrats was the second Nicktoon. Doug aired first and uh, Ren and Stimpy after. The episodes for the series... I didn't realize this took a year to complete before they were even delivered to Nickelodeon for final approval. So the work that went into these is really pretty astonishing. Yeah, especially when you contrast it with, I don't want to keep bringing up South Park, but when you think of South Park takes a week yeah. to write and animate, it's that is crazy. mind-boggling. Um, but not exactly an instant hit. Um, yeah, you alluded to that earlier. It's crazy. Yeah, so Rugrats, as, as Jordan just said, airs in August 1991. They stopped production in 1993 after 65 episodes across three seasons. The final episode of this initial stretch went uh, was aired in May of 1994. So they didn't even really get three full years out of this first stretch. Um, from 1995 to 1996, the only new episodes that went to air were a Rugrats Passover and a Rugrats Hanukkah, which we'll get into in a second. So what happens is the show goes into hiatus, essentially, protracted hiatus, and they start syndicating the initial run of the episodes. And that's really when uh, its popularity explodes. You know, um, they were running it all the time on all the time, all the time on Nickelodeon and Nick rerun, uh, Nick rewind. And essentially it, it explodes in that time period. Twenty six million viewers per week. Um, Nickelodeon's first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon, and to this day, the only Nicktoon with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, while we're talking about those uh, Hanukkah and Passover episodes, they have actually sort of descended into, ascended, I should say, into animation legend as being these like really groundbreaking episodes for showing Jewish heritage uh, on television really breaking it into mainstream animation audiences i think i would be it would be hard pressed to think of unless we're talking about like the crusty like rabbi episodes of the simpsons i think this was all before this i think so yeah. um anyway mostly got a really positive reception from critics fans the passover episode that aired in april of 1995 became the highest rated show in nickelodeon's history but there were complaints from the Anti-Defamation League and a few other people that Grandpa Boris and Grandpa Minka descend a little bit into stereotypes. This is despite the fact that a large proportion of the people who worked on the show were Jewish and were basing the writing and depiction of the characters on their own relatives. And this Anti-Defamation League thing isn't about the actual animated show. This is something that gets repeated in listicles and so forth on online coverage of the show. But... This is actually based on a comic strip that was based on the show. So this comic strip runs in the Washington Post in 1998. And Grandpa Boris recites a Jewish morning prayer in a synagogue. And the Anti-Defamation League says, well, his design, the character design is a little anti-Semitic. And that the Kaddish, the prayer of mourning, shouldn't be in a comic strip, period. And everyone involved apologized. The Washington Post editor apologized. Um, and... That was kind of the end of it. <laughs> but that wasn't the only uh, controversy that Rugrats dealt with during this time. Um, in 2002, Class B Chupo were sued by Toho, the owners of Godzilla, 
over the design of Reptar. Which there is absolutely no way they couldn't have seen that coming. It's like yeah. the Captain Blasto thing. Like, come on. It's obviously Godzilla. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. A, a large specific type of animal it's like how how you can't can you copyright just like a very big walking lizard i mean i guess the answer is yes yeah, I, I think they, Toho yeah. did. they sure did uh <laughs> by the way do you know who voiced reptar in the rugrats movie i sure don't buster rhymes mm. in 1998's rugrats movie Bus a bus. buster i don't really know what he said what, what like he actually did to voice it i don't yeah, really remember don't much know. about that but it's interesting because this lawsuit actually happens in 2002 so this is like a full 10 years after it appears and one of the sort of armchair analysis which we're doing right now you're in a literal armchair yeah um one of the ideas is that toho finally figured out how much money they were making <laughs> off of all this of the right because they started making reptar toys then and right? reptar bars and reptar cereal and like not, yeah not even just toys just food yeah and so probably this trickled over into japan and toho went wait a second but that is hardly the only uh behind the scenes drama that befell rugrats yes rugrats had a much bigger problem than the adl and godzilla there was a growing conflict between arlene klasky and paul germain over the direction of the show. These were co-creators. And it was basically personified by Angelica, the character that Paul had created that Klasky hated. She was vocal about how mean and terrible she thought Angelica was. And as the show developed, Jermaine, you know, wanted to explore emotions and encouraged more adult-oriented Rugrats scripts. Like there was one that explained the source of Angelica's brattiness was because of, you know, her really self-absorbed parents. Her mom's the CEO. It's always on the phone. And her dad is this kind of like, you know, real, real pushover who spoils her. Um, so her, her meanness is sort of exposed for what it is, which is neediness. Uh, and Angelica becomes a much more complex character. Klasky really just wanted the, the, it to be sort of a more whimsical show, a more fantastical show. Wanted the kids to be kids. And she thought that these episodes that Jermaine was overseeing were, were too dark and the babies were acting too adult. Which I don't want to, I don't want to come for her or anything because she created one of the most beloved properties of all time. But it's funny in retrospect because some of these episodes that you could conceivably call too adult for a child show are some of the most beloved ones. Like we talked, we made oblique reference to the Chucky Mother's Day episode. Mm. Chucky's dad, Chaz Finster is a, a <laughs> which I know. <laughs> Chucky's dad, Chad Finster. Uh, he's a, he's a widower and you know, for a children's show where all of these parents are constant presences in their children's lives, like they do an entire Mother's Day episode about how, God, I'm getting choked up here about how, you know, Chucky's mom died. And that's, that is dark stuff for a mainstream yeah. kid show. And there was one where uh, Angelica was told that she was going to have a, a sibling and she doesn't react well to it as a lot of little kids yeah. do when they're told that, you know, they were an only child and now they're told that they've got a sibling on the way. And, I mean, dark for two reasons. One, I mean, that, that that's a heavy thing to tackle for a kid's show anyway. And then the actual way they do it was where this nightmarish baby comes in. Oh, God, that thing. That thi yeah, and I, I think tries to eat her, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah it's grim. It, it's, pre it's pretty bad. So those shows were more, uh, more came from Paul Germain, and uh, Klasky really was not a fan of those. And unfortunately, Gabor Chupo, who's Klasky's husband, was sort of stuck in the middle and mediated between Klasky and, and Jermaine. For and this for this episode's obligatory spinal tap reference. He, he was, was he was the lukewarm water. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fortunately for for uh for their marriage, he often sided with Jermaine because he liked his writing style. 
And it's probably uh, not a coincidence that they divorced in 1995. The writing staff also was uh, more on Jermaine's side, too. And they, they took to basically openly mocking Arlene Klasky by creating this character, Dr. Lipschitz. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and fans of Rock Ops remember, Dr. Lipschitz was sort of like the, the, the Dr. Spock-like child-rearing expert who uh, who Dee Dee Pickles worships, and he's kind of a quack. He's yeah. like, you know, nobody knows more about ch- children raising kids than than Doctor Lipschitz, and that was supposedly seen as like a you know a, a shot at, at at Klasky, who like nobody knows more about kids than Arlene. Like the kids right. should do this, kids should do that, and so that was. Um, it's funny now when you see that character. I mean, they were, they're really just making fun of her. So when the show went into syndication after the initial order of 65 episodes was was complete, Jermaine and most of the writing staff left the series and they uh, defected to uh, to Disney where they created Recess for ABC's One Saturday Morning. And we could get into this later on, but obviously when One Saturday Morning launches, um, you know, Disney essentially poached Doug. That's right. Yeah. You know, relaunches. That becomes the flagship over there. So really, the the world of children's animation in the 90s cutthroat. was a pretty cutthroat place. Oh, yeah. So Jermaine left, and it devolved into all sorts of legal acrimony. They were prevented from talking about their Rugrats exit by uh, a gag order as part of their settlement from uh, Klasky Chupo and Nickelodeon. We so- should uh, freedom of information request that. <laughs> see if we can find out what, what, the, what like the depositions. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Just with Chupo doing the Dr. Nick voice. And like, <laughs> my wife, she was not happy. Sorry, that's awful. Cut that. <laughs> so, yeah, the series kind of went, in my opinion, downhill after Jermaine left. The, the tone and look of the series changes dramatically. And in my opinion, it's for the worse. Like, the scripts toned down the darker elements and kind of played up the more fantastical stuff. And they broke out of the house more. They went into, like, in space and all these other areas. I don't know, something about... I like the original episodes because it was so self-contained and so yeah. about how the ordinary everyday of the home to a child looks insane and yeah. crazy. And it's and, like you said about the the look of the animation. It just looks more careworn and more individual. And I think, like you said, some of this comes into they have more money now. There's more eyes on it. Right. When Nickelodeon brought it back, I mean, this was it was one of the biggest shows in cable. So yeah. when they when they renewed it in, uh, I think it was 1996 is when it, they started, they renewed it for new episodes. Yeah, they obviously had a lot more money to hire a better, you know, people better who, in quotes. Yeah, yeah, a colorist firm. I think. What do they call that when they not an animator, but the people who actually do the fine, the, the, the kind of finish it up? Grunts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with grunts. Yeah, sorry, animators. And having said all that, we'll be right back with more too much information right after this. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. 
Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. But then, so obviously, we have to talk about the other thing that came out of the show's enormous popularity in the relaunch, which is the 1998 movie. That is right. Rugrats was the first Nicktoon to get its own film, the Rugrats movie in 1998. It became the first non-Disney animated film to gross $100 million domestically. And no less a film titan than Steven Spielberg, director of Hook, which we will talk (laughs) about shortly, uh, called Rugrats one of the greatest animated franchises of all time declaring it a sort of TV peanuts of our time. What Not a pull, What a pull quote. Yeah. But of course, Nickelodeon never won to let sleeping dogs lie uh, and not make money. Uh, <laughs> decided to build on the success of this movie with a couple of mm, possibly ill-advised moves. Yeah. The first spinoff was All Grown Up, which initially started as a TV special in 2001 called Rugrats All Growed Up. And it was what was known as a backdoor pilot, where they make these TV specials that they air basically to gauge interest. And if there's a big response, then they take that as a pilot and build a whole series around it. Now, All Growed Up was a 10th anniversary special, which showed the Rugrats babies as tweens. And it was wildly popular. I think it was the most viewed Nickelodeon episode ever at that point. So, of course, the show immediately went to series. Uh, there were two other spinoffs that that didn't really make it. One uh, rejected pilot followed Susie, Susie Carmichael, and her family. It was called Meet the Carmichaels, and it would follow Susie's family as they moved to Atlanta and help her grandmother run the family restaurant. It's like when they made the Cheers spinoff, the Tortellis. <laughs> or, or, or Frasier. <laughs> well, sure. Frasier's the successful one, but they... they, what they was the tra- I don't remember the Tortellis. Oh, they tried... No one does. They tried to um, spin off uh, Carla Tortelli's ex-husband, Nick, who's played by Dan Hedaya, character actor, amazing, amazing... Veteran amazing character actor, Dan, Dan Hedaya. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, it was just drowned under a wave of and of Italian American stereotype complaints. <laughs> so, so it, it was not long for this world. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was one that I think only made the pilot. Uh, there was another called Preschool Days, which would focus on Angelica and Susie at school. A couple episodes were made and they were released as like a DVD special feature. And they're done in this really bizarre computer animated style that really is kind of off-putting. I mean, this would have been in the in the era of like Beast Wars and Reboot, mm. like when just when like computer animation was kind of starting to come into its own and some executive presumably was like, hey, we should get us some of that. Because I don't think Nickelodeon had many computer generated animated style in that property. But you remember like Beast Wars, like That's how right, herky-jerky yeah. and bad that was. Reboot, yeah. they were both done by the same studio. I don't have a segue for any of that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so as with a lot of things that get mm, mismanaged or middle managed into hell, um, all of this sort of meddling and trying to build on the success of the, of the, of the property sort of foreshadowed the show's decline. Um, the original series ended up wrapping up in 2004, but until SpongeBob SquarePants supplanted it, it was the longest running Nicktoons ever. Um, 13 years, right? Yeah. You mentioned earlier that Tommy would be 31 uh, in August of 2021, which means... Stu would be 64 this year. I think he was born in 1958. Dee Dee is about a year younger, so about the same age. And Grandpa Lou would uh, be dead. He would have gone to the, the great animation studio in the sky. There is a, a sort of happy ending to all this, so there was a new reboot for Regrets that premiered earlier in 2021. And the series actually picked up where the original Paul Germain series left off with only the original characters. So Tommy's little brother, Dill, isn't there. Oh, and, we didn't uh, talk about Dill. That's right. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah, no one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's dead to us. <laughs> um, and actually, Paul Germain came back. So it's the original uh, uh, creative trio of Class B, Chupo, and Germain. Uh, and they're all almost completely, except for uh, uh, Christine Cavanaugh, uh, voiced by their original voices. So... It's a, a fairly happy ending there, but we can't leave well enough alone and leave off on a happy ending. So, Heigl, nope. I want to ask you about the most wild um, internet theory yeah, we're, uh, about the Rugrats. Please take us there. This isn't a one-size-fits-all segment, but we are hoping to wear applicable. People who don't want to have their childhood completely shattered before their eyes, you can just turn off right now. Thanks for listening. Yeah, anyway. Thanks. Have a good one. <laughs> um, so this is not a one-size-fits-all bit, but we are hoping to... When there are fan theories about certain properties that we're discussing, we're hoping to spotlight them. And it just happens that this one is a real doozy. Um, there is a popular fan theory circulating on the internet that essentially posits Angelica is the only Rugrat who is real. Every other character in the show are figments of her imagination because she is a neglected child and has created this ensemble cast of characters to help make her through her lonely, lonely days without getting into the truly, truly grotesque, grotesque, dark, grim. I mean, this is, this is like, uh, this is like if Harmony Corrine had scripted uh, uh, Rats. <laughs> it gets into some dark, dark stuff. So if you're interested in that, just Google it, but uh, maybe don't. And so this is funny, too, because it's one of the rare fan theories that has been addressed by the creator. Arlene Klasky was asked about this at a convention, and she shot it down, rightfully so. 
because as we said, it is dark. Slightly more whimsical. Um, there is an interesting theory that posits Tommy Pickles is a Time Lord, a la Doctor Who. I like this Who. one. Yeah, this one's a little more fun. You know, the babies go to outer space. That's Top- part of a dream sequence. Yeah, thing. part of it. They don't actually go to outer space. Um, but uh, I don't think that the creators, did they nod to this with the Easter egg? Yeah, they. I mean, there's Grandpa Lou's in the background, and he appears as a, um, what are they called? Dalek. A, Dalek, yes. Yeah. i got to say, I mean, that's the spinoff that they should have done. Tommy like, is a Time Tommy Lord? Tommy is a Time Lord, yeah. Absolutely. I would greenlight that in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, can we get this? We'll send this to Nickelodeon and try to, <laughs> try to get, send us to Viacom, whoever owns Regrets now, and try to get that made. Um, I think that's all I got on uh, on Rugrats. Yeah, I mean, it is it is truly one of the... Going back and reading about this, I was really shocked that, like, there was so much behind the scenes stuff because it mm. is really one of like the most pure things that exists. And you hate everything. I do. I surely do. Um, yeah. So reading about this, I was really shocked by some of the behind the scenes stuff because the, the finished product is so pure and so is not problematic at all in our modern lens. It's aged so wonderfully and it, it really remains something that is, you know, uh, very distinct and very wonderful. Even as it's all grown up. <laughs> well, you know, Heigl, we're all grown up too. Na, na, na. <laughs> Pan to snow globe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening as we unpacked the wild and crazy history. That's oh, a different Nickelodeon show. The wild <laughs> and crazy history of Rugrats. We'll catch you next time. We'll see you. information was a production of iHeartRadio. The show's executive producers are Noel Brown and Jordan Runtog. The supervising producer is Mike Johns. The show was researched, written, and hosted by Jordan Runtog and Alex Heigl. With original music by Seth Applebaum and the Ghost Funk Orchestra. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. 
Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.